G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I want to welcome a special guest coming to us in this next short while, Terry Kelleher, who's the National Vice President of the Australian Family Association. Terry, a special welcome along. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you for having me. And also with us is Dan Flynn, who's the Victorian State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Welcome back to you too, Dan. Thanks very much, Neil. Uh, Terry, let me come to you here because uh, in the role that you have, uh, National Vice President of the Australian Family Association, you're interested in all of these issues that we're talking about. If we talk about an economic agenda and a social agenda, the focus has been on the social agenda because that's the one that's gone haywire. You've got gender fluidity in sex education programs in schools. Uh, You've got all sorts of crazy things that are almost accentuated, uh, exacerbated in Victoria under the Andrews government. How are your concerns being heard by people who are followers of you? Well, what are your thoughts about these programs that are in schools? Um, well, we have long been uh, very concerned about the Safe Schools program and have followed that where it's, where it, um, where it's gone. Um, because uh, I, we have heard back from the hustings, we a lot of our people are actually active in the election. We're not party partisan, but a lot of our supporters and members are actually out on the pre-polling. And um, the ALP is saying it's all lies, that there's no such thing as safe schools. Well, that's because it has been sort of hidden um, over the past 18 months, I think, But, you know, this has been worked on certainly by uh, myself. I have to say, personally, I've been working since about 2012 or 2011 on this safe schools. I started with sex education, um, was concerned about inappropriate content then, then heard about this safe schools, which was funded and then allowed into Victorian schools in 2010. Um, And since then, we've had the Resilience, Rights and Respectful Relationships. Now, all of these are of concern, and the bottom line is... The idea of gender identity as being something other than your biological sex and that you can change your sex if you are not comfortable with your biological sex. We see that as very confusing to put to children and young people in schools. Um, and we've actually we've run a campaign. Uh, at sometimes it's um, subterranean. Other times, you know, certainly our members have gone out and they've emailed politicians and... Um, we've held uh, forums on it and I began to go out to speak to parents because one of the things, and Dan probably would back me up here, is in a lobby group, you know, that we are not stakeholders. I mean, individually, personally, we could be, but the stakeholders in relation to what's going on in the education system are primarily the parents. So we're concerned, very concerned at the undermining of the parents' authority over their children and and the denial of uh, for parents to be able to ensure the moral and uh, education of their children in accordance with their convictions, which is part of what, what is going on here. Also, the principals and teachers in schools and also the um, Christian and Catholic school systems. 
because they are the ones that are being directly affected. So I began to go out in early 2012 because a young mother approached me at another group that we hosted in our office and was concerned about this safe school. She'd been having a look at it. She'd heard about it herself. And I said, well, you are the stakeholders. I'm so glad you've come to me. Um, because by that point we had approached the then Education Minister in Victoria and also the Federal Education Minister and advised them about this program um, and had got no response. It was fairly early in the piece. And I said, you are the stakeholders. If you get six mums or dads around your table, I will come whatever day of the week and whatever time and I will speak to them and I will show them what's in the program. Because that's what we can do. We can provide the actual basis, the facts about it. And that's what the parents needed. And it did start from there. It started small, but it began to reverberate because I said to the parents, you go into the schools, you've got mobile phones, and you have a look for these things I'm going to tell you about to see if, in fact... Let me come to you, Dan, because sometimes when we talk about uh, the way that governments are elected, uh, we hope that they are going to, to rule or govern on behalf of families. We hope they're going to protect our freedoms. We hope they're not going to be hijacked by all sorts of other crazy policies. But there does appear to be a hijacking in the Labor Party in Victoria by this LGBT agenda. And even as Terry is describing that so adequately, what are your thoughts about, about the, the way that governments ought to be governing on behalf of everyone? Look, absolutely. Um, we saw the birth certificate change happen in Tasmania this week to erase gender from birth certificates, 94% of the population were opposed to that. So you get these parties, they're, they're ideological uh, bubbles, influenced heavily by the Greens, by the left. Um, they pander to the LGBTI and, and then kabam, you have something like um, name, um, gender erase and birth certificates. So this is a concern within parties. They're out of touch with people, but if they're in power, they don't care. I wonder if there is going to be tomorrow when voters arrive at polling booths even an intimidation factor that may come uh, from either the uh, either of the left-leaning parties, so the Greens or the Labor Party. Uh, when it comes to being at the polling booth, we don't expect intimidation, but this is something that's on the rise, Terry. Yes, yes, it certainly is, and we've had feedback because, as I said, our people are on the early polling and they said uh, certainly the ALP have been very aggressive um, and they have been calling our people liars whenever they interact, you know, with voters coming in just to give them the the um, voting card. For example, the, the Labor DLP people who are handing out how to vote, they say they call them liars for saying that they're Labor. So I think they're very um, rattled, but they are very aggressive um, call them liars and say it's not true if you talk about the safe schools. In fact, one candidate, one ALP member said that safe schools doesn't exist. Okay. This idea of intimidation, uh, interestingly, as you reflect on Frances Beaumont and uh, the reaction that she is likely to get at polling booths tomorrow, this is because they have Labour, L-A-B-O-U-R-D-L-P, and as Frances describes, uh, this is the original stream of the Labour Party, and what you're seeing as Labour, as the Labour government now, is not reflective of anything like the original stream. This intimidation factor, though, uh, what ought voters be prepared for when they're turning up to the polling booth tomorrow, because no one likes the idea of intimidation, but this is what we ought to expect, Dan. That, look, they're going to feel intimidated. They're going to, they're going to arrive there's going to be you know, perhaps 30 people 
trying to put uh, flies in their hands, getting very close into their personal space. You vote one me, you know, vote that guy last. So um, you are really walking the gauntlet uh, arriving at a polling booth these days. Um, this is not what it was 20 years ago. This is highly contested until people cross the threshold into the um, polling station. Okay, so when people arrive tomorrow and they're being offered pamphlets from everyone, how to vote cards, uh, what do you suggest, Terry Kelleher, about what you do when you actually are running the gauntlet there? And, uh, you know, should you actually go prepared before you get there, knowing who you're going to vote for without even having to take one of those forms? I think that's the best way, Neil, certainly, and that's what I was going to say. The message I wanted to send in this interview that you must form your voting intention and you are prepared beforehand. I mean, I always have been, and therefore I don't find that intimidatory. I know it has increased over the years, but I just just politely take one of each so nobody knows your voting intention. But, of course, for those who haven't formed their voting intention, well, then it can be quite... Um, Stressful, you know, and, um, you know, the trouble is that people then just vote maybe for the how to vote that hand, you know, lands on top of their pile. Yeah. <laughs> um, or they just vote, you know, they take one and they just vote according to that, um, you know, that how to vote. But I would ask Christians that, look, you can't afford to take the attitude that, you know, you're not political. Now, I understand that. Um, I really do understand it, that people are only involved in politics at different levels, you know, and, and like, Dan Flynn and myself are involved at a fairly deep level, not in party politics. Most people aren't. But um, the days have gone where you can just simply, if you are a Christian, um, or even not a Christian, you have traditional beliefs in family and in, in matters relating to sexual activity and sexual identity, you can't afford to say, well, I'm not political and not inform yourself and have a look at, have a look at something like the, um, the values checklist that Dan has there, we also put one out, which basically down the left says what the issues are, the basic issues as we see them, and have a look and see where the parties stand on those issues. Well, we should do that ahead of walking into the polling booth, hopefully. Uh, let's pause just for a moment. Uh, acl.org.au is the Australian Christian Lobby website. You'll be able to find checklist information Correct. there yes. and commentary about what the parties believe. Uh, the one you mentioned too, Terry, is the Christian Values Checklist, christianvalues.org.au. AU and there's a one-page checklist there, very easy to ascertain what the parties believe. A little yes. a series of green ticks and red crosses, and uh, and there are of course uh, question marks there where it's a little bit unknown. Yes. Uh, the Australian Family Association is. We also is- produced a Victorian election uh, values checklist, so they can go to www.family.org.au if it's not confusing, but you put each of them together and you get a good view of the issues that would concern Christians and also those of traditional family values. I suspect a vote tomorrow for an Andrews government continuing is a vote for what we've begun to see with the intimidation. Uh, Let me just take you, uh, Terry Kelleher. Uh, Recently you promoted a couple of speakers, one of those, as I recall, Dr. Quentin Van Meter and then Patrick J. Byrne, and these were speaking around the country. And there was a intimidation factor 
things that we're not used to seeing in this country, uh, protest groups arriving outside. And I know, Terry, you were a part of some of those. Things are changing in Australia, and if you're going to bring some sort of a difference, you have to think a little differently, perhaps be a little courageous to actually vote for a party that's different to the one that's promoting those sorts of, uh, you know, violent intimidation tactics. What are yeah. your thoughts about things the way they're changing? Well, I'd like to reassure voters. Um, now, I have worked in the union movement. I was the solicitor for a very large trade union for many years. And uh, one of the things that uh, our union had, uh, before my time, but had brought in was the secret ballot. Okay, so just remember, no one knows how you vote. That's why I always just took each politely because, you know, the people who are there, they're just doing their job handing out how to vote. Just take one of each, but you know how you're going to vote. Um, You don't have to feel intimidated, um, but certainly there is intimidation and um, Dan Flynn would be very aware of this as well. And in regard to Dr. Quentin Van Meter, he is a paediatric endocrinologist. So when we're talking about these children transitioning, which I'd like to, if we can, cover a little bit more in this segment, if we have time, he works with those children and their families. It has done for 40 years. And he is very concerned about the medical transitioning. That is the drugs they use for as puberty blockers and as uh, the cross-sex hormones and the effect that they have on young people because they're children and young people they're using these drugs on and how for the rest of their lives, if they start on them and wish to continue on this train, um, they'll have to be under medical supervision and they carry serious health risks. And we had, um, the first thing is to get a venue. So we're looking to try and set up our own private venue, in fact, uh, because it's difficult to get a venue if there's any controversy at all, this controversy around this issue of transgenderism at... Um, uh, in the eastern suburbs, quiet eastern suburb on Facebook, we realised and we notified the police that they were saying they were going to come and, and um, you know, have a protest. So the police actually did watch very closely and they, I think there were about 14 of them turned up, but they were needed because in the end there were about 70, maybe 80 protesters. This is in a quiet street in the eastern suburbs and they were banging on the doors and they had those dreadful siren things that they use, but the police kept them out of the hall. There were six of them got into the hall and they were very quickly removed by our security people. But, I mean, you have to pay for security. Look at the... And, and the, the public are paying for the police. And, I mean, we're not going to pay. We shouldn't have to pay. We didn't advertise it to everybody. We weren't, ad- weren't advertising to people to come and protest. And, and Terry, these are pro-family, pro-parents, freedom of speech rights that you have when you want to have a, a certainly non-violent opportunity where a speaker gets to talk about uh, the rights of parents to protect their children. And these are the sorts of things that are coming. So if we're bringing this back to the election, as I understand it, it's the Andrews government is supporting a police mechanism here that sends the bill uh, to the organiser of the of the non-violent, perfectly peaceful protest uh, that is talking about maintaining parental rights and family values, and it's the protesters who are off the hook altogether. Isn't something on its head here? Dan Flynn, what's happening? Everything's (coughs) upside down. Fortunately, we saw a a break from that, say, in the March for the Babies um, last month, you know, quite well attended, and the police were very supportive. We didn't get a bill. Um, So, um, But I will say, you know, that's pro-life. Um, and that march is well established. But when you want to, if you want to talk about transgender, um, then you're in a different category altogether. 
Um, I think that this transgender discussion is what gay marriage was 14 months ago. You speak to somebody who's, you know, upwardly mobile in corporate life, ask them what they think about gay marriage, they, they, they think, oh, it's unsafe to answer. Now you say, hey, what do you think about kids transitioning? They're like, oh, don't, you know, this is a no-go zone. So it has the, it's, it's today's gay marriage issue is, you know, transgender you know, kids in particular. And Terry Kelleher, when we understand this transgender issue, uh, children are being encouraged uh, to pursue this gender fluidity and if they feel as though they are a different gender, then they can say that they are and then parents are then locked out of what happens with their children and even to the point where parents may even be prosecuted if they tried to stop their child or they tried to protect their child from the sorts of influences that come to try to encourage them along that direction. Um, that's certainly the case. Uh, for the school's policy, now after the Federal Sex Discrimination Act was amended to make gender identity a protected attribute, there were government guidelines, Australian government guidelines on sex and gender, um, and school policies were released as a result of that. Now, the Victorian school policy actually requires a school to support a student who indicates that he or she, um, you know, wants to uh, transition to another gender. Um, and if the school decides the child is a mature minor or the student is a mature minor, then the parents, they can do so without parental consent. So it's actually putting the school or the child, they pretend it's the child or the student who is actually directing all of this, but they're a minor. It's the school decides, yes, you, you, we'll give you agency. You're a mature minor. You can make these decisions. So certainly the parental um, authority is being... It's harder for parents to exercise their rightful authority over their children in the children's best interests. Um, so, yeah, the school policy in Victoria is one of the four states that have these policies, and it requires the school to support and affirm a student the Safe Schools had its guide to, um, for schools to affirming a student who wants to support a student to transition gender at school. Um, so there's certainly that is going on. Um, and, of course, when you combine that with the teaching in the Safe Schools, they're saying it no longer exists, but I'm afraid it is on the Department of Education and, Web and, Department of Edu Education and Training website in Victoria. It does exist. One of its resources is All of Us, now, it's not on the department's website anymore. You can't access it as you caught up until late last year, but it does reside on the Minus 18 website if people want to go and have a look at it. So, the, And that teaches gender fluidity. And then you have the resi Resilience, Rights and Respectful Relationships, Topic 7, Gender and Identity. It's the same teaching of students and children, and this is from PrEP to Year 12, the Resilience, Rights and Respectful Relationships, that your gender may be different to your biological sex and you can change your sex. And it'll be more and it'll be stronger if the Andrews government is re-elected tomorrow. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.